0: Hello and welcome to the Online Education Podcast. My name is Kim Harwood and I'm the President of Results at Hand Software and also an ISAE supplier member. Today I'll be discussing the topic of online education with Aaron Well, Chief Executive Officer of Guard. Aaron is a learning strategist and meetings coach for leading trade associations and individual membership societies across the United States. He is committed to the latest research and trends on learning intentional networking environment, and meaningful transfer exercises. He launched um, Guard, a professional development consultancy in 2011. Welcome, Erin. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. Thanks
1: for having me. Great.
0: Well, before we get started in really discussing online education, I wanted to, for the purposes of this podcast, define what we're considering to be online education. Lynda.com, a popular technical LMS, which is a learning management system, defines um, online education in its broadest sense as a form of education which is delivered and administered using the internet. So really quite simple. Um, There are numerous mediums and platforms you can use to deliver education online. They can be social, video. um, You can even use your AMS or LMS system, webinars, mobile applications, um, all of these Um, opportunities, are all these are opportunities to basically deliver educational content over the internet. And that's really what we're going to consider online education for this podcast, something very broad in that sense. Does that make sense, Aaron?
1: Yeah, no, I I love that definition uh, because I think it's broad. And I think that it opens us up to a range of online education platforms. I think uh, as we were preparing for this podcast, just thinking about uh, the simplest of forms, thinking about maybe um, an an online um, video or an online post even that you might share in a social network all the way up through something much more sophisticated uh, that might be implemented and launched via an LMS. And so we're really talking about the full spectrum here and would encourage uh, our listeners to think about online education from whichever point uh, they're at. And so if they're at sort of uh, a more entry-level basic understanding or application of on- online education, great. I think much of what we'll talk about here today applies to you. And and all the way through kind of that uh, more sophisticated, um, more robust online education environment as well, I think much of this applies to you as well. And so I think that Uh, We'll be meeting you where you're at today and would invite you to think about uh, both your questions really and my answers in terms of um, the context of your own association education program um, and thinking about how you can apply some of these uh, ideas, tips, tricks within the context of your own environment. Gotcha,
0: okay, that makes sense. Um, So when you start to think about online education uh, How do you think it's affecting the uh, association's educational program overall,
1: Aaron? Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this from two main perspectives. I think first from the association perspective and second really from the member perspective. And so let me start with the association perspective. And for me, thinking about online education and how it's really affecting associations, is in portfolio management. I oftentimes invite associations to think about their education portfolio in its simplest forms as three buckets. And certainly you could create more buckets, but I like to start at least with these three. And those are sort of those live face-to-face programs. Um, Secondly, those sort of online education programs, which we're talking about now. And then thirdly, the other resources that educate members, but which may not always traditionally be thought of or considered educational assets. These are things like websites and blog posts and newsletters uh, and magazines and the like. Uh, And so if you sort of break down association education into these three buckets, they together comprise the association's education portfolio. And I think the important trend here is to consider what uh, online education looks like within the context of that portfolio, whether you know it's simple or whether it's more robust, it should be, it should offer some component Um, within that sort of three-legged stool or three-bucket approach. Uh, And beyond that, I would invite sort of listeners to think about how online education then fits into the segments of their target audiences. Um, I like to think about target audiences in two main ways. The first is through functional areas, and so thinking about functionally the roles that your members serve um, and how online education might serve those members. Uh, in their development of knowledge, skills, and abilities in a a functional way. But secondarily, I like to think about um, members in terms of segments, in terms of their career uh, journey. So are they an early career professional, mid-career professional, or a late career professional? Mm -hmm. Uh, and ensuring that there are appropriate online opportunities for folks at each point along that journey as well. And so from the, from the association perspective, I think that online education is an important part of the overall portfolio and digging deeper into that uh, approach, thinking about how online education is informing or supporting members at each segment or point in their journey uh, within that particular industry. The second sort of topic or idea that I have in regards to online education trends uh, is really about the move for so many organizations, uh, associations in particular, to move to an organization membership where it's no longer uh, an individual that's a member of association, but it's really uh, all employees of that particular organization that are members of the industry association. And whether you have sort of an uh, organization membership type or not, uh, the important element here to be aware of is that more and more members at all levels within an industry are joining associations. um, And we have to be mindful of how those members are gaining access to education. So if you do have an organization membership type, Need to have uh, educational opportunities for people at every uh, at every point of membership, and so if an organization membership has incentivized uh, much m- many more entry level or mid career professionals to join the industry association, having appropriate online education opportunities to meet their needs is an important consideration because oftentimes these are the members who don't have a lot of extra Access to personal or professional monies to travel to to register for uh, To participate in industry events and so having an alternative that's online in nature that can be accessed virtually anywhere um, In the country around the world is an important um, Sort of access point to knowledge skills and abilities for maybe those new members or to those members who traditionally haven't necessarily been serviced Mm -hmm. by their professional association
0: Okay. So if you're going to now add sort of online education as a bucket in that or a leg in that three-legged stool, um, how do you think that's going to then change the role of the educator or trainer um, for your organization,
1: well, you know, I think that our associations are interesting um, petri dishes for education. I think that, you know, um, oftentimes our associations are relying on the skills and expertise of longtime industry experts to deliver knowledge and education to our members, and and so they're experts in the industry, not necessarily experts in education itself. And oftentimes in the classroom, uh, any sort of deficiencies in education delivery may be masked by um, learners who are sophisticated, who are supporting conversation, who are weighing in with examples, et cetera. Uh, But often that doesn't translate to an online education environment, meaning much more of the responsibility or weight falls on the educator than maybe the learners or the participants. And so uh, really a different skill set is needed um, when we think about both the design and delivery of online educational experiences you know are we using video are we using chat are we you know how do, how is the technology going to integrate with uh, maybe a slide deck or uh, polling or whatever it is are there going to be breakout sessions and the complexity that that offers um, are we going to invite people to participate via chat or are they going to have Uh, opportunities to report out and speak on the line or whatever it is. Um, Certainly the technology itself is a help to support uh, quality education delivered in an online environment. Uh, But also it can be um, difficult or challenging for the speaker or subject matter expert who doesn't have experience um, in that format. Really, um, the simple recording of face-to-face learning or educational programs then uh, regurgitated in an online environment is equally ineffective in delivering really high quality education um, if we're if you know side by side if we have the same content um, but are delivering either one course in uh, a face-to-face environment and the other course in an online environment those two courses should look different to support learners in a different way because in one environment we have the opportunity to engage with them face-to-face in a classroom and in, in the eye other environment we don't. And so using strategies, techniques, tactics to appropriately support um, learners in those environments is important and doesn't necessarily translate from the classroom. And so as we think about uh, what this looks like for us in our own organizations, like really supporting our uh, instructors, our speakers to not only become aware of and familiar with best practices, but to really lead by example and demonstrate and practice them and continue to grow in their own knowledge and skills of content delivery. Um, and I, it's not a simple process, but it's not impossible, certainly.
0: Well, so it sounds like there's, you know, a little bit more work to it than when you start to go ahead and add the, the third leg with online education. But there must be, you know, a lot of benefits to incorporating online education to a successful education program. Do you you have some thoughts on the benefits of online education?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a a lot of benefits. I think that, um, you know, it's important to consider the sort of just-in-time nature that online education can afford. There are some some statistics around just-in-time learning. Uh, oftentimes, millennials are picked on for leveraging YouTube videos sort of when they need to learn something that <laughs> they may not necessarily go to a classroom where they may not take a class online or whatever it is, but they sort of um, look up, Look on YouTube how to set up something as simple as a grill, right? And so you get the you get the grill, you get the instructions, uh, but you know the millennial, the savvy millennial, and you know a lot of others too, but the savvy millennial knows that if they search on YouTube, they can probably find somebody putting it together. And in all reality, it probably will be easier to follow that than oftentimes the instructions that were provided within the grill itself. And so I do think that online education provides uh, the flexibility of our associations to deliver just-in-time knowledge and information to our members, and that should not be underestimated. I think additionally, um, you know as we think about our education portfolios, I often like to talk about or raise this issue of threaded content. What I mean by threaded content is as you look at your maybe three different buckets of face to face learning, online education, and other resources like website and newsletter and whatnot, is to not reinvent the wheel for every bucket but really to provide similar um, and content that builds on itself within multiple avenues or multiple platforms. And so in, in this sort of, in this way, online education provides us great opportunities to thread content between maybe a conference and a, a magazine article and maybe a five-minute recorded session. Um, There's this really cool sort of concept that I've been seeing more and more in the association space and elsewhere where uh, we're delivering content to our members in chunks. So uh, it's like the sort of five, 15, 15 minute model. If you have five minutes, you know, view this online education video that we've recorded and posted to to social media. If you have 15 minutes, maybe read these couple of articles that pertain to this issue or this subject area, and if you have 15 minutes, like, log into our LMS and, you know, see the whole recorded module on this topic, and they're not the same, they just build on each other, Um, and I like this idea of using online education to support this 5, 15, 15 15-minute model, um, to deliver education not not only just in time, but also um, to the depth Level that our members are looking for. Um, sometimes those five-minute videos or shorter are the things that hook our members into engaging with more of our programs, products, and services, which you know creates great benefit for the association and creates really loyal members to the association.
0: Makes sense. And, you know, and kind of based on what you just said about threaded content, I think I know where you're gonna say guy the answer to this, but you do get the question, or at least we do, on um, what do you think will happen with in-person seminars and conferences? Will they all together go away with everything becoming more virtual and more online?
1: Yeah, that, I think that's a, a it's a question that I hear often, and I'm glad that we're talking about it here again today. You know, I'm um, I'm approaching uh, my 40th birthday. Um, it's uh, hard for me to <laughs> say sometimes, but I I will nearly stake my uh, my career on the fact that. Um, in my lifetime, I won't see the demise of the face-to-face education program or experience because at the end of the day, people crave that face-to-face networking time. I was just recently, at um, a very big and popular conference in the association space, where um, so much of the networking time was filled with loud music and bands that people actually started complaining about the fact that they couldn't talk yeah. to one another and actually engage with one another in really meaningful ways. And another recent experience that I have, you know, at the state level, participated in a conference um, where. Um, I had you know beforehand asked a bunch of like colleagues and friends who I was hoping to meet up with if we could sit together at a table and kind of chat and exchange. Uh, updates about where we're at and what we're looking forward to for the year. And uh, lo and behold, in addition to the lunch, there was, you know, a one hour education presentation planned for that for that mealtime. And again, people in my in that group were frustrated by the fact that they couldn't connect. And so um, so so my I will nearly stake my career on the fact that uh, face to face programming, and in particular, the networking aspect of it will continue. Now, It may be part of the bigger portfolio and not all of the portfolio, but I definitely don't think that it's going away permanently. The other question that I have that kind of goes along with this that I often get is, you know, will the online education program or experience cannibalize the face-to-face program? And again, there is a lot of research out there to suggest that's not the case that, um, again, the people who are participating online are typically the people who either weren't coming face-to-face anyway were people who were in danger of not coming face-to-face for whatever reason, most oftentimes of which is uh, access to money and resources to be able to travel to and and register and participate in the event. And so um, I I think that will um, continue to be a mainstay for us, though I think that having opportunities for members to engage both face-to-face and online is an important one, particularly as we consider the nature of human beings. There are so many Uh, people who are either introverted or extroverted and, you know, like or hate those terms or those classifications. It's, it is true. And I I can speak to this personally myself that uh, there are people who derive great energy from being around other people. And there are people who um, are drained by the energy of other people and having to interact and engage. And um, there are, you know, online and in-person programs Um, speak well to at least one of those two groups. Uh, And so the combination of which I think is uh, an important uh, consideration for building out a portfolio that meets the needs of of all members despite their sort of engagement level.
0: Makes sense. And one of the reasons I love to go to um, live educational programs is because of the networking. So many people you get to meet and listen to their experiences. Um, And so for the individuals that really do thrive on that, How do you think networking for those folks will change or um, is is occurring, if you will, at these online or virtual learning sessions?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I think we as associations miss out on too often is uh, the community. That is built around a particular educational experience. Let's, let's take the one-hour webinar for an example. You know, right, wrong, or otherwise, many people you know, do webinars, and I'm not suggesting they're good or bad. I'm just suggesting they're a model. And in that model, typically what happens is um, a speaker or presenter is delivering content in a really unidirectional way, kind of from speaker to learner. Um, if, if the association is feeling particularly like spicy, they might open up the chat box, um, but oftentimes I even see the chat box kind of locked down. Um, and this is really at a deficit to those those participants because you know oftentimes in the face-to-face program or experience you have an opportunity to kind of make eye contact with a colleague or lean over and ask them a question or you know maybe talk about the program or experience or content before during or after the actual session itself Uh, but really uh, in this online environment we're often locking it down in a way that um, again sort of takes us back to grade school where a speaker was um, you know our teacher was kind of the content expert, and we were the content learners and Information flowed from one from you know the front of the room to the back of the room but really, in this online environment what i 'm suggesting in terms of creating networking opportunities is to Um, open up and not be afraid of things like chat boxes, um, not be afraid of things like online communities, whether you have an LMS and you can create online communities embedded around a specific subject area, um, or if you're just simply creating a Facebook or LinkedIn community where people can chat about, you know, things before, during, and after the program, I, I think it's most important to open it up so that that social learning can occur. And so, You know, what what is the lesson learned here? I think that the lesson learned is really about opening up as many channels before, during, and after an online education program as possible, not being afraid of it, um, and really monitoring and supporting learners in that space. I think that that's where you make a genuine connection with members or learners in a way that you might miss out on through other programs, products, and services, you know, whether it's with the speaker, whether it's with, you know, a staff person who is monitoring and responding to that community. Um, I don't think, you know, here we follow best practice PR Uh, ideas or ideologies where it's not like we're deleting comments that seem out of line or aren't correct or whatever, but that we're proactively responding and engaging with participants um, in an effective way, both with them and between them, um, should, you know, should something appropriate or inappropriate arise, but really allowing that communication to thrive, because in many cases that's where the true learning is happening. It's not necessarily um, through the dissemination of knowledge or content from the speaker.
0: Okay. Yeah, now that makes sense, and it kind of brings up to me the whole idea of we're talking about online education, and you brought up, up a couple of technology tools, LMS, webinars, that sort of thing. I kind of wanted to jump in and interject some information. I found um, an interesting study by um, uh, it basically did a study of association leaders, specifically those associations that are utilizing technology to either enhance or enable their learning. So basically associations that are out there that are practicing online education in the broad sense that we're talking about it here. And one of the things that they learned was 90% of those that do practice online education utilize webinars and webcasts. I know you just mentioned, you know, it, it can be locked down. And it's not always as interactive. But I think one of the reasons that they use it is it's really low cost, and it's very low risk. I mean, you can use Zoom. We're using Zoom right now to record this. You can use GoToMeeting, though. Those are some really easy ways to go ahead and build um, a webinar, either for a recast or, or, um, or even live. So those are some good options, and I think that's one of the options that people start out with, possibly. And then the second most um, popular uh, tool, if you will, or technology tool that they noted in their study was um, an LMS software. 66.9% of folks last year um, that they were, were studying or reviewed actually utilize an LMS. And, and that's great. Of course, LMS can be quite complex. They can create and manage your, your educational tracks, allow for self-paced learning. Um, and allow you to track registered users through their whole sort of course um, experience, which is really great, but kind of unlike the webinar, one of the issues with this is, while they're low risk, they can be really expensive and complex to um, create and and integrate with other other software systems. So um, certainly LMS are on the rise, but they're still um, not the predominant source of of online education, Uh, again, using webinars, and then also almost 50% of those organizations that they surveyed utilize um, M-Learning or creating educational content um, for a mobile device so it's easy to access and review on mobile. Um, I know a significant number are moving there. The study even suggested that um, while over half are already using mobile, 25.7% of those um, in the study were going to, this year in 2018, utilize mobile in some form on their online education program. So certainly a movement there. And if you think about it, you can kind of, for example, you can have a mobile um, event app for your live conference, and you can extend that app or a membership communication app to support your, your learning and initiatives kind of throughout the year. Um, members can, you know, through web apps, schedule webinars and seminars, watch video content, access resources, um, study for credentialing exams. You can participate in gamified learning. You can earn badges and credits take tests, et cetera. So a lot can be done um, with a mobile application and really repurposing maybe a mobile application you originally had, had purchased for um, be one purpose, supporting a live event, and then turn into sort of a hub for your online education. So something to think about there regarding technology. Um, another, another thing that I thought was interesting is talking about live streaming of an in-person conference. Uh, last year, 27.5% of the kind of the technology-enabled group uh, went ahead and utilized live streaming, With a few more are expected to do it this year. So sort of another um, tool that people are using. Any other up-and-coming tools, uh, Aaron, that you can think of that people should be considering or technology for their yeah. online education?
1: Well, a, a couple not specific technologies that I want to lift up right now, okay. but a specific thing that I... There are a couple of elements in particular that I'd like to lift up from what you just mentioned. I, first, I think first, for me... Okay this idea around extending the learner experience is an an important one that should not be underestimated. I think right now, many of our associations have maybe four or five signature events uh, that are spanned across a year, and certainly there are other opportunities for learning in between, Uh, but online education in particular provides the greatest opportunity to keep learners connected, both with one another and with speakers uh, and really with the association as well in between those signature face-to-face events. And so they are an incredibly important way to build, develop, and maintain a learning community, to keep people connected, to keep people loyal to the face-to-face events you're already offering, and to uh, further grow and identify subject matter experts who might be um, interested or available to lead future sessions. And so I I think that this idea around extending the experience is, is a really important one to the extent possible. Uh, Because otherwise we have these four or five disparate learning experiences and not everyone is able to attend all maybe four or five of those throughout any given year. And so creating space and opportunity for the people uh, who aren't able to attend to still be connected with, uh, again, one another with subject matter experts and with the association um, should be should be considered. A second thing I wanted to mention here is really thinking about um, social media uh, hosts. Now, whether you're live streaming or whether you are offering some sort of s- social learning or whether you have uh, recorded modules that are being delivered in an LMS, whatever the platform, I would invite us to think about um, sort of what we're seeing present in popular culture today, Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do watch, uh, for some reason, (laughs) a lot of these like sort of reality shows where, um, you know, uh, the TV show, the program hosts or whatever are engaging directly with audience either for voting or, um, you know, oftentimes even actors are engaging with uh, viewers uh, when shows are being uh, actually viewed on TV and and I think there's a big lesson to be learned here. I think whether you're live streaming or whether you're doing you know, any of the other things that I've just mentioned, having some sort of a dedicated host who sort of plays that liaison between um, maybe the subject matter expert or the association and the learner is an important one to learn. I mean, we think about uh, how oftentimes you know, uh, social media hosts on TV will kind of talk about Um, you know, how a particular poll is going, or um, what a viewer has said, or, you know, all of these things. I mean, we're seeing it in so many, we're seeing much more interactive TV um, across so many of the TV platforms, both live and uh, through some of the recorded television platforms, that um, I think there's a lesson to be learned here that, you no, know, it isn't just about allowing our maybe off-site members access to the learning, but really engaging them in a meaningful way so that their experience is just as valuable as it would have been if they had participated live. And so thinking about what that host looks like or what that experience looks like to uh, really engage those learners in a meaningful way uh, that we may not otherwise have, have been able to do or haven't really considered in the past. And then the last thing that I really wanted to mention here uh, was I think you shared, Kim, lots of great statistics around um, the learning platforms and the education technology that associations are using. Um, and I think that there is no, for me, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's really about what are the needs, uh, what are the learning needs of your particular audience? and so. You know, we should always be um, goal focused. Um, We should build education that members need um, and want, not necessarily what's easy for us to deliver and package. Uh, being mindful of not only the skills and expertise of our subject matter experts in that journey, but also the skills and expertise of our learners. Can they engage in the education technology? Um, Do they want to? Will they engage in the education technology I think is important? And does the content itself lend lend itself to one or more of these platforms? And so I think just being very uh, goal-centric, I would, I have yet to find an association where online education hasn't been some component of their education portfolio. Um, and so I think there is a space for it. It's just a matter of determining what that space looks like given the specific needs and interests of your of your members.
0: Right. I mean, I kind of like to think of it as goals, needs, and resources. You sort of align all those things and then, then you go for it. And I know you're saying that every a lot of associations that you work with already have some form of online education, but an organization out there today that maybe hasn't embraced any sort of online learning for their education program, is there some tips or something you can suggest to get them started um, in, in that area?
1: Absolutely, I mean, you know this is going to sound probably not so helpful. Um, my My feedback or my insights <laughs> here are just to start just to do something. I think that you know, as we started this podcast off today with um, being mindful of the continuum of opportunities within online education from the most basic to the most sophisticated. You know, I recommend associations who are dipping their toe into this avenue to start with the most basic, certainly. I would encourage people to not necessarily rely on revenue associated with this online education at first and to really create a foundation um, Um, to build future, uh, perhaps more sophisticated education, online education models upon. And so, you know, I've seen so many associations be successful with uh, a simple iPhone um, and maybe uh, a little set up with a couple people, one or two people in chairs, maybe it looks like a newsroom, maybe it just looks like a little chat, where we record, you know, three to five minute video about a particular topic or update or some sort of skill or knowledge area that we want our members or learners to know. I don't think that online education has to always be this like full on full blown educational experience. It certainly can be. And if your members respond well to sort of um, that entry point, um, then certainly move in that direction. But, you know, starting simple, I think, is the way to go. Um, figuring out how many people are, are viewing, participating, engaging with your online educational experience, getting their feedback, um, and then applying that moving forward is important. And, and you know, in terms of the content itself, I think the content itself is is pretty, can be pretty simple. I don't think that we need to reinvent the wheel. I think know there's lots of education that our association owns or has within its current portfolio that could be tweaked or modified or pulled or plucked from things that already exist and so if we have you know a conference session that's uh, happening you know what does it look like to uh, pull the speaker aside afterwards to record a short three to five minute video about the main takeaway that they want to be sure everyone knew or knows. Um, And it serves, things like that serve multiple purposes. It serves to help reinforce the education that maybe people attended live and in person at maybe an online uh, experience or program. But it also means that we engage with our our other audience, our online audience, or the audience that was unable to travel and participate in the event, in a new and exciting way. And so, uh, I don't think that you know, in terms of technology, it doesn't have to be state of the art. I think that it can definitely be low tech to start, and uh, you know, in particular, be like the content doesn't have to be earth shattering or brand new. It can certainly be content that's recycled or repurposed or upcycled um, from other content areas within our within our association education portfolio.
0: All right. That makes sense. Erin, that was actually my last question. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I also want to thank those who are listening. We hope you found this podcast beneficial regarding um, online education and have a great day.